Well, we have been on a journey through this year. If you're uh, newer to Glad Tidings, maybe just kind of getting on board, but if you've been here for the year at least, uh, you may recall that we've been dealing with a number of topics under the broader banner of enlarging our capacities for what the Lord has for us and what it is the Lord wants to minister through us. Our theme for the year has been from Isaiah 54 too, where the Lord commands his people to enlarge the place of your tent or enlarge the place of your dwelling. He says to stretch out those curtains. You kind of picture this tent in the wilderness. To stretch out those curtains and lengthen those ropes, those cords, drive in those stakes. We've been talking a lot this year about different ways that we feel the Lord is leading us to address any areas in our lives or relationships where maybe things have become slack or maybe we've plateaued. And to be a people, as Jesus said in Matthew 11 and 12, that we be a people who are actually laying hold of Jesus Christ. Not just a Christian lifestyle, but we're actually laying a hold of the Lord and we're laying a hold of specific things that he's talking to us about. Uh, in the fall, you may recall, we did this series for several weeks on the topic of relationships. We, talked, we called it relation slips, just areas where we tend to slip up sometime trying to get traction in the area, whether it's in our uh, relationship with the Lord, whether it's our, our, our marriages, our spouses, um, areas of sexuality and so on. We talked about that, took us through pretty much to the Christmas season, close to it. And then in the spring, we talked about being people of the Spirit and what that really means to be people of the Holy Spirit, of being full of the Holy Spirit, of opening up to the Spirit's ministry in and through us in a variety of ways, that fresh touch of what the Lord wants in our lives. And of course, uh, this fall, we've been dealing with the topic of hearing God. And, and the purpose is because we have been created for dialogue. Jesus said, my people, those who truly belong to me, are people who hear my voice. And they follow me, they obey me, and they follow me. And of course, to follow the Lord, we have to be able to hear him. And so what I want to share this morning, in a, in a sense, relates to the idea of, of hearing God. It's a bit of a different topic, but it does relate to another way in which the Lord speaks to us, in which the Lord gets our attention. And I just felt prompted to address this topic, and essentially, it has to do with suffering. It has to do with struggle. Or, or dryness that we go through sometimes, some of those seasons, and we kind of ask ourselves, why am I going through this? Or why has this happened? Or why has this come upon me? And we forget sometimes that God has purpose in that. And, and that he talks to us in that. It's one of the ways that God will communicate to us uh, when things aren't going as easily as we thought they maybe hope, hope they would or think they should. Uh, the scripture this morning is simply Acts 14. Paul the Apostle uh, has said these same words to a number of churches as he travels through Asia Minor. Asia Minor, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't even have dentures, imagine. He says, he says to those believers who are struggling, who are wrestling not with the issues of faith, but wanted, wanting to be strong in Christ in the midst of their persecution, Paul says to them in various communities, he says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom. In other words, if you're going to be a participant in the kingdom of God, if you're going to be a kingdom person, if you're going to be a, a ministering person, we often look at Jesus as, as being our example, don't we? You know, he showed us how to live, as Peter says, that we might walk in his steps. And, but we forget that Jesus also has designed it so that we are, living the, are the kind of people who live in a way that people can look at us. And know what it means to know God. Does that make sense? Right? As Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That really what the Lord wants to work in us is not just be a people. I'm not saying this is true of us, but not just to be people who live nice lives. 
you know, nice, just people who go to church. He wants it to be people that those who live in darkness, who don't know Christ, can look at us and say, that's what Jesus is like. Just as Jesus came to communicate the heart of the Father, do you realize that you and I are given the same mission? It's not, again, just living a certain lifestyle. It's in everything we do and say, how we act and react through many of the same things that those who don't know Christ go through, that we're able to say, this is what God is like in the midst of this. This is his personality, not just what he feels about you, but this is how he would walk through things. And so I want to talk this morning about this idea of, of struggling. And we all know that we all suffer or struggle. We may not all see each other going through things. A lot of us can go through things secretly. Uh, you can look at some people, you would never know they're going through something. You look at other people who aren't going through anything, but they always look like they are. You know, we're all different. But we don't really know what we're all going through, but we do know that we all struggle. We all get blindsided. We all have things happen that we didn't expect. We all may have rough patches in our marriage. We may have troubling times in our finances. We may have rebellious or wayward children. We may have struggles in, in just our spiritual walk where we're in a, in a dry season. I, I touched on it last week, but, but uh, I was saying to a friend of mine together, we've kind of been walking through this dry season for, for a few months, and yet knowing the Lord's in charge, knowing the Lord is still uh, growing us, showing us things, but we can have those seasons in our lives where we're just dry or maybe we're depressed maybe we're discouraged whatever it may be we all have those seasons in our lives we all go through those times so be encouraged because you either have gone through them or you're going through them now or you will go through them welcome to the human race that's part of life but what i want us to see this morning is that doesn't mean that it's random it doesn't mean that these things are happening without purpose I know we quote the scripture often, but God really wants us to understand and believe, and you can say it with me if you know it, that all things work together for the good of those who love God. And those who are called, those who are walking in his revealed purpose. God works all of our circumstances together for a purpose. Now, sometimes we're going through things that we don't know why. And in fact, to find comfort, oftentimes you'll hear, Christian, you'll hear Christians quoting or citing the story of Job, right? Job was a man who lived thousands of years ago, and the Bible says that he literally went through the attacks of hell. He went through hell, and he didn't understand why. I mean, his life was just taken from him in so many uh, ways, his, things that were important to him, and he didn't understand why. And we kind of look at Job and say, well, that's, that's just the way struggle works. You know, we just never know. We'll just know when we get to heaven. You know, we just never know, so we just grin and bear it. That's in the Bible somewhere. Just grin and bear it. You know, it, it sounds scriptural, doesn't it? It's not in the Bible, but the Bible does say the joy of the Lord is our strength. But in Job's situation, the actual purpose for what he went through was to discover whether or not Job would still love God, serve God, trust God in the midst of what he was going through without understanding why. Okay, so for Job... That was the purpose of the test. It wasn't meant to be a precedent for all of us, but it was a purpose for the test. In fact, you might say that one of the lessons from Job uh, is that if we ask God for an explanation of what's going on and we don't receive any information, that that in itself is probably an indication that the Lord's not saying anything to us because he wants to develop trust in us. He wants us to grow in trust in our relationship with him. But that's not the only reason why a God allows suffering to come our way. 
What I want to emphasize this morning is that there are other reasons that we struggle, other reasons that we go into what Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher in the past, called the dark night of the soul. There's other reasons that we go through that God wants us to know. And the reason why he wants us to know what is going on, and this goes back to hearing God, communicating with God, one of the reasons he wants us to seek him and, re- and, and inquire and know what is going on because he wants us to be able to align ourselves with what he's showing us. Does that make sense? He wants to speak to us and show us so that we're able to cooperate in what he's doing in our lives. For example, Scripture talks about times when God may have to discipline us. He says the only reason he disciplines us like any good parent is because he loves us as his children. And he says this in Hebrews, we do not enjoy being disciplined. It is painful at the time, but later after we have learned from it, we have peace because we start living in the right way. And so if we are suffering for the sake of correction, then it makes sense that we need to know why in order that we can make the necessary changes. So there may be some things that we never know, but God will always reveal to us what we need to know if we will take the time to hear him out, if we will take the time to inquire. Now, discovering God's purpose for our struggle is important for two reasons. One reason is because you might say it inspires worship. Sometimes we see what God has done after we've come through a difficult thing. And we're able to look back and say, Lord, thank you for what you've worked in me. Or thank you for what you've shown me about yourself. Or thank you what you've shown me about myself. Or Lord, just thank you for you know, bringing me through that or working something in my life. We, we all have those times. In fact, at the end of Job's ordeal, Job said this, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. That is, during that whole process of suffering. I talked of things too wonderful to, for me to know. In other words, I had my thoughts. I had my complaints. I even had maybe my accusations. But at the end of it, when God showed me the bigger picture, I realized how much I didn't know through that process. And I realized how big was it what God was working in my life that never would have been done any other way. As I mentioned, in one day, if you've never read the story, Job was a man who lost everything. In just 24 hours, he lost all seven of his adult children in a terrible accident. In the same day, all of his wealth, it was like a stock market crash, All of his wealth, all of his possessions were destroyed. The man was absolutely devastated. But here's what the Bible says about him in chapter 1. When Job heard this, heard this news, he got up and tore his robe and shaved his head to show how sad, how devastated he really was. Then he bowed down to the ground to worship God. He said, I was naked when I was born. I will be naked when I die. The Lord gave me these things. And the Lord has taken them away. Praise the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job did not sin or blame God. You know, the greatest worship we can offer God is not only after we've come through whatever our struggle may be and look back and say, Lord, I can see how you're in control and I thank you. In fact, sometimes in our struggles, we look back and say, Lord, thank you for what you kept me from. Thank you for certain things that didn't work out the way that I thought they should have worked out. I can see the wisdom now. And so we have those times, and we can worship the Lord. But the greatest worship, I believe, for the Lord is that we are able to worship Him, praise Him, surrender to Him in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our questions or our pain, 
before we even know his purposes. And friends, that is not the product of just a positive mental attitude. That is the product of having cultivated an actual relationship with God over the years where you get to know his heart and you know that he always has your best at heart. That is what it allows you to worship the Lord in the midst of struggle. That's what enables you and me to actually walk with the Lord through those times in order to see his purposes being fulfilled. And so it can inspire worship. A second reason it's important to know God's purpose, if God wants to reveal it to us in the midst of our struggle, again, is so that we can actually align ourselves with what God is doing. Again, Scripture does not say, grin and bear it. Scripture says, seek me and you'll find me if you search with all of your heart. The Lord invites us into that dialogue. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, because Jesus' heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and he conquered its humiliation. That's a Bible translation called the Passion Bible. Because he knew the joy that you would be his one day, he was able to endure the cross. In other words, what Scripture is saying is that Jesus actually understood the Father's purpose in his suffering. So what did he do? He aligned himself with it. He inquired of the Lord through fellowship with his Father what the program was, and he aligned himself with it. Now, Jesus could look, the Scripture says, beyond the agony of the cross. Why? Because he could draw strength on the knowledge that what he was going to accomplish through the cross would actually bring you and me into a personal relationship with him. The Bible also says in Hebrews 5 and 8, even though he was a wonderful son, this is amazing, Jesus learned to listen and obey through all his sufferings. He learned to listen and obey through his sufferings. Not only because suffering happened, okay, what are you saying, God? But as he went through the suffering, day after day after day as he endured, whatever it was he was walking through in that season, every day he made the conscious decision to what? To dialogue with the Father. To listen to what the Father is saying step by step. And to obey as the Father was leading him. I don't ever think of it. Christmas is coming up. But do you realize that God could have created Jesus as a human being? Jesus could have come into this world as a full human being, right? He could have. I mean, he could have come at the, you know, as a 33-year-old man, just kind of popped into the world, just like when God created Adam and Eve, could be an adult, and God just fast-tracked him to the cross, get it done, that's what he came here to do, die for our sin, be our replacement, pay the price for our sin, rise from the dead, and make a way for our sins to be forgiven and have fellowship with God again. He could have done that, right? But he didn't. Jesus came to this world the same way that you and I do. He came as a child, and he grew up and knew a lot of good things, a lot of joys, but also knew a lot of pain from childhood to adulthood and to death itself. Because as God, of course, we know that Jesus didn't have to learn anything. But the Bible says very clearly that Jesus laid aside all of that before he took on the form of man, wife, so that he would grow up like we do. Though he grew up without sin, it wasn't because there was this, you know, big bubble wrap around him spiritually speaking and he couldn't sin but as he grew up like you and me every day in every decision he turned to the father and submitted to him and continued to walk with the father and remain free from sin 
But as a human being, he had to submit himself to the process of learning and growing that comes through working through one hardship after another. And the way that he did it, of course, was that in every situation, no matter how punishing, no matter how demanding, he did what he invites you and me to do. Submit yourself to God. Resist the enemy, and he'll flee. Jesus was our pattern. He walked ahead of us in this whole context. It's a context in Hebrews of him being our high priest, of one who can be our representative, of one who identifies perfectly with us. Anything that we go through, we go, that he went through as well. But as he went through, he modeled to us the way that you get through and the way that you grow through and the way that you get moving to the next place God is preparing for you is that you learn to listen in the midst of it. You turn to God, you listen, you obey what he is showing you, and then the growth comes. Isaiah, the Lord, said it this way. He said prophetically, the Lord helps me learn, and I have not turned against him or rebelled. I have not stopped following him. I offer my back to those who beat me, even to the point of death. I won't hide my face from them when they make fun of me and they spit on me. In other words, the Lord was saying prophetically through Isaiah, Isaiah, that Jesus would show in his life that whatever he went through, he went through it. He didn't turn from God. He didn't say, no, not me. In fact, even in the garden, we know the main reason that he sweated drops of blood was because of that tenacity of faith that said, Father, I know you. I know your heart. I know the joy that is set before me if I go through this. And as hard as it is because nobody wants to die. Physically, nobody wants to die. I'm holding on to my life. But he says, Father, I can trust you because I have relationship and there's joy in that relationship. And Father, I've learned so much that even now I can still go through the greatest challenge because of that relationship. Hebrews 5 and 8 again. Jesus learned to listen and obey through all his sufferings. The word sufferings, of course, talks about unpleasant experiences. But it also means this. I found it interesting. The Greek word means a challenging process that transforms the sufferer. And here's what it's all about. Whatever your struggle may be this morning, whatever season you may find yourself in, it may be suffering, it may not, it may just be dryness, it may be weariness. You may just feel like, hey, I'm not suffering a whole lot, but I'm just stuck. I'm in this season. It's not without purpose. Again, what Paul said, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom. But it is suffering is a challenging process that transforms the suffering, the sufferer rather. And that transformation happens in us when we work with the Lord and not against him in our struggle. The transformation happens when we don't just let it happen in the sense that we don't just kind of ride it out. I guess this is just life. But we inquire of the Lord, Lord, what's going on? What, what is it you're doing? Why is this happening? What, are you, what would you show to me? How do I partner with you deliberately so that this is not just something that is wasted, it's not just something that happened to me, but it's something I can genuinely learn because I'm listening to you through it in the process and I'm obeying you step by step. Even though I don't see the outcome, I know, as you say, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But, say it with me, you are with me. That makes all the difference in the world. Not just going through it, but going through it with him. Walking with him. 
because he never wants to waste an opportunity to grow us in those times. Friends, it is our obedience that grows us. It's not just a certain lifestyle. It's not just the things we do and don't do. We say it all the time. You know, it's not just I don't drink, smoke, swear, go to dances, chew tobacco, or date girls that do. You know, it's more than that, right? That's not what it means to follow Christ. Obedience is what grows us. Obedience is what prepares us for the good that God is working together for us. It's our obedience. And again, I'm not saying that he will always reveal his purpose for our suffering. But what I will say is that he often does. More times than he doesn't, he does. Why? Because he wants us to work with him. In fact, and I say this kindly, but one reason why we don't discover his purpose, this is pretty profound, is simply because we don't ask him. We don't, oh, 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 sure we do. We say, why God? That's not really asking. We don't ask and then wait to hear. James says we lack insight simply because we don't ask for insight. We want things to pass away. We want things to change. But we don't inquire of the Lord. Lord, if you're in control of my life, if you're my Lord, why is this happening? What are you saying to me? What James is saying, I believe, is seek the Lord with fasting and prayer. We talked about that last week. And then as you're seeking the Lord, be still. Listen. Wait on him until he speaks. We've talked about journaling in this year. Write down what the Lord is showing you. Begin to deliberately align your life with what he's showing you. And again, like Jesus, don't just grin and bear it, but learn to listen and obey through the struggle rather than going on your own and actually working at cross purposes with what God is trying to do. It's kind of like when you try to wash a baby's face. You know what it's like, right? It's just, you know, you got to grab the cheeks and then wash the face. And we're kind of like that. Struggle comes our way. Why, God? Why is this happening? <laughs> and he says, whoa, look at me. I need your attention. I want to talk to you about this. So what are some of God's purposes for suffering? Let me just give you a few quickly. I believe one is very simply to produce repentance for sin. And it's not just sin that we may be doing. It can just be the omission, things that we're not doing. Maybe you're just going week after week after week and you've never cracked open your Bible. You've never quieted yourself in the presence of the Lord. You've never taken time to, to just walk with him and talk with him, invite him into your day. Whatever it may be, the Lord will allow struggle to come our way in order to bring us back on track. In fact, when you face hardship, it's always good to start with this one. And it doesn't mean that we have to condemn ourselves. It doesn't mean the Lord is saying, you know, to invite shame in our life, not at all. But if it's not the reason, God will assure you that it's not the reason, and you can move on. But it's always good to begin with examining ourselves. Okay, Lord, something's different here. Something's happened here. What, what's going on? In the book of Amos, God said to his people Israel in chapter 4, I held back the rain from you three months before harvest time. In other words, this never happens. Okay, but it hasn't rained for three months before harvest. God has cycles. It always rains. Former rains, latter rains, always rains. But it's not happening this time. Then I let it rain on one city, but not on another. And then rain fell on one field, but another field got none and dried up. Still you did not come back to me, says the Lord. What's the Lord saying to his people? Hello? Hello? <laughs> Some strange stuff's happening. 
do you have a sense maybe that, you know, I'm trying to get your attention? Hello? You know, sometimes you say, well, God, why don't you just appear in the sky, you know, and kind of open the clouds and put the speakers in the sky and turn up the Dolby and talk to us. He talks to us clearly through circumstances in our life. He tries to get our attention when things go sideways, when things don't make sense. That may be the Lord trying to get your attention. Hey, 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 something unusual is happening. There may be a reason you want to inquire about. And so a good place to begin to discover God's purpose for your struggle is just to come back to the Lord, as he says. Turn to the Lord first. I mean, we've all gone through tough times, haven't we? We've said to God, Lord, I don't want this to happen. Is it only me? No, I don't want to go through this. We've all had those kind of times, and we're tempted under those pressures to walk away from God's process. It doesn't mean that we don't believe in the Lord anymore, we don't go to church, we don't try to live a good life, but mentally, spiritually, we've checked out. We've not asked the Lord, Lord, what's going on here? What process are you trying to create here to do something in my life? We don't inquire of the Lord. Instead, we allow our self-preservation or our self-gratification just to lead us away from what it is the Lord wants us to be or what he wants us to give ourselves to. And so he'll mess with our plans sometimes. You ever have that happen? Things won't work out the way you had all planned. He'll mess with it because he's trying to get our attention and to get us to re-engage in the one thing that matters. I love what James says. We know the scripture well, but I'll read it again from the Passion Translation. James says this, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, I love this, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. God will use struggle in our life. He will allow struggle. He will allow suffering to produce repentance. Why? So he can release into our lives the perfection, the wholeness, the fullness, the maturity that he wants to bring into our life. God loves us too much to just allow us to go on our way and just ignore him until something happens. There's in this short life that we have, if God gives you 70 years or 80 years or 25 years, we don't know. But in the short window he has, he actually has a plan for you. It's not just to make good things happen and live a comfortable life so we can ignore him. He actually has plans for who he wants you to become. Things he wants to unlock in your understanding. Things he wants to minister through you. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Another reason that the Lord allows difficulty is to give revelation. It's related to repentance, but God will use hardship to reveal what is actually in your heart. We don't realize sometimes how stinking selfish we are. Sorry, did I say selfish? Bad word. We don't realize sometimes how full of ourselves we are. I think of the story Job, uh, Jonah rather. You know, Jonah's a prophet of God sent by God to the city of Nineveh, an evil people who just tortured and pillaged nations around, around the then known world. The last thing Jonah wanted was to see them turn to God. He wanted to get what was coming to them. He wanted them to receive judgment. So he doesn't even want to go there. That's why he flees the other way. God swallows him up with a great fish, spits him out. I mean, it, it, he can imagine Jonah. Eh? I mean, it's one thing, the message he had, but the guy's probably bleached white from all the stomach acid in the fish. It must have been a terrible sight. You got this guy preaching tonight with seaweed hanging off his head. 
whatever the image may be. But Jonah, God gets Jonah's attention. Jonah does what he's told. The city repents. Jonah goes up on a hillside, and he is ticked off at God. Now, even in his anger, God loves him enough that God causes this nice gourd, this plant to grow up over him, because we're talking, you know, Nineveh, we're talking desert heat, and he's comfortable. Oh, this is great, God, thank you. And you know the story? Eventually, God allows the plant to die. He's there in the sun, and now he's feeling sorry for himself again. And what does God do? He says, Jonah, get your act together. You're so concerned about a little bit of discomfort in this desert heat, and you have no concern for 120,000 lost souls. That's the important thing. I'll take care of you, but that's what the important thing is. And God revealed his selfishness in his heart. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, the Lord will bring all that is hidden in darkness to light and unveil every secret motive of everyone's heart. And that's one of the reasons why the Lord allows hardship in our life. So we'll see what's hidden in our heart. It's called building character. But you see, God is not just building character in our lives for character's sake. God's ultimate objective in the work he's doing in your life, it is to create something redemptive through you that you can actually minister to the lives that you touch every single day. That's what it's actually about. Remember the old song, my, my house is filled, but my fields are empty, right? And, and it's kind of an image of the church today. We just, we come to God, come to God, this is what I need, that's what I need, here's my plans, and for them to work out, God, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, I'll slot you in here, slot you in there. And so oftentimes the plans have nothing to do with God's plans. And God says, man, my thoughts are so beyond your thoughts. My plans are so above your plans. Why are you dreaming so small? This is what I have for you. This is what I want to work in you. This is what I want to do through you. I want you to be a world changer. You may not change the global world, but you can change somebody's world. You can be a part of something that's eternal. You can stand before God in heaven and have people around you that say they came to Christ because of, Lord, what you worked in me and what you did through me and what I went through and what you showed me and growed me and what you peeled away from me when you refined me, Lord, that you kept me focused on what life is really about. The Lord knows that day is going to happen, and he wants us to stand before him unashamed. He says, I know how you're going to feel when you stand before me. I don't want you to stand there with regret and waste. I don't want the fire of God put to your life and you're just ashes. I want there to be gold and silver and precious stones. I want you to have a crown. I want you to be filled with joy at all that I've worked in your life in this world. I want you to invest your life in what matters. So yes, I will allow struggle to come your way. And I won't apologize for it. Because you need it. Because you're distracted. Because you're consumed with things and you're using my resources to, to fulfill your own lust. And I've got so much higher intentions for all that I place in your hands. And all that I've given to you. And the 24 hours in the day when you wake up in the morning and you breathe your breath, it's a gift from me. Don't ever assume it's yours. All I've got to do is massage your windpipe a little bit and you're in glory. In him we live and we move and we have our being. He says start living like it. And all of us have areas in our lives where the Lord needs to tweak and fine-tune or rescue us or bring repentance. And he sometimes, oftentimes, will bring struggle. But it's not because he doesn't love you. The enemy will say, oh, it's happened to you because God doesn't love you. No, it's happened because God does love you. He loves you too much to let you waste your life. 
to live so far below your potential. He also does it to create dependence on the Lord. In his wisdom, he knows that suffering is the one thing that will keep you coming back to him. In fact, dependence on God is the very opposite of independence and self-sufficiency. The Apostle Paul wrote, all of the hardships we passed through crushed us beyond our ability, right? Not God's, but our ability to endure. And we were so completely overwhelmed that we were able to give up, that we were about to give up entirely. It has taught us, remember, Jesus learned by listening and obeying through what he suffered. Paul's saying the same thing. This taught us to lose all faith in ourselves and to place all of our trust in the God who raises the dead. Jesus said in John 15, we were created to be connected to him. And it's important for us to understand as Christians that no spiritual fruit ever, 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 say it with me, ever, no spiritual fruit ever comes from self-sufficiency. It doesn't happen. No spiritual fruit ever comes from a life lived independently from the purpose of God for you and me. None of it. It's a heap of ashes. Absolutely useless, Isaiah said. It's just a pile of filthy rags. Why? Because it's his power that works through us. It's not our own. And if we are self-sufficient, we will not know his power. If we're dependent upon him, his power will flow through us. It's what Jesus meant when he said to Paul and Corinthians, my power finds its full expression through your weaknesses. Through your weaknesses. Most of us know Johnny Erickson. Johnny Erickson taught us. She's a wonderful Christian personality, been ministering for a number of years. Uh, Johnny actually lived a, a very active life as a young girl growing up in her younger years until she was 17. She had a tragic uh, diving accident. She became a quadriplegic, paralyzed from the shoulders down. And she said for the first two years at least, every single day she said, I was angry at God. Every single day I was depressed. I was fighting thoughts of suicide every day until God began to slowly turn my life around and give me a new sense of meaning. She said, I was speaking one at once at a conference, and she shared this story. She said, she's 70 years old now. She said, honesty is always the best policy, but especially when you're surrounded by a crowd of women in a bathroom during a break at a Christian women's conference. One woman, putting on her lipstick, she said, oh, Johnny, you always look so together. Now imagine this. Johnny's in the washroom, can't move, just her head a little bit. You got this woman doing lipstick. Oh, Johnny, darling. You know, just contrast. She says this. Oh, Johnny, you always look so together. So happy in your wheelchair. Can you imagine saying that? So happy in your wheelchair. I wish I had your joy. And several women around her nodded. How do you do it, she asked as she capped her lipstick. I don't do it, I said. In fact, may I tell you honestly how I woke up this morning? She's now 70 years old. This is an average day. After my husband, Ken, leaves for work at 6 a.m., I'm alone until I hear the front door open at 7 a.m. That's when a friend arrives to get me up. While I listen to her make coffee, I pray. Oh, Lord, my friend will soon give me a bath, get me dressed, clean me up, set me up in my chair, brush my hair and teeth, and send me out the door. I do not have the strength to face this routine one more time. I have no resources 
I don't even have a smile to take with me into this day. But you do. Lord, may I have yours. God, I desperately need you. So what happens when your friend comes through the bedroom door, one of them asked? I turn my head toward her, and I give her a smile sent straight from heaven. It's not mine. It's God's. And so I said, gesturing to my paralyzed legs, whatever joy you see today was hard won this morning. I have learned that the weaker we are, the more we need to lean on God. And the more we lean on God, the stronger we discover Him to be. And that leads me to the last point. I'm going to invite the musicians to join me. A final point that there are many more, that God allows suffering and struggle in our lives, is because ultimately He wants to prepare us for ministry assignments. Listen to what Paul says. In fact, why don't you read it with me? 2 Corinthians 1 and 4. God always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. We can bring them this same comfort that God has poured out upon us. Whatever we are going through, God will use in preparing you for ministry. We all know that the best person to minister to someone who is suffering is usually someone who has suffered in a similar way. Hear me, friends. That is why it will cost you something to be a ministering person. You hear me this morning? It will cost you to be a person that God can use to recover whatever the devil has unleashed in somebody else's lives. It will cost you something. But when it's over, I promise you, anything you thought you lost it will be restored to you in full, plus you'll receive more than you ever could have imagined. I mean, is anybody discovering that this year? If Jesus Christ is really going to increase in you. It will only be to the degree that you are willing to decrease. We cannot be full of ourselves and then say, Lord, we'll just cap off whatever I need. No, you pour water in a full glass or with a cap on it, it spills over. Jesus says, I've got to get the junk out of you. I've got to get you out of you so that I can fill you with me. And the pathway to decrease always includes hardship and struggle. And so just by way of review, God will use suffering, number one, to produce repentance and release fullness into your life. He'll use suffering to reveal what really is in your heart, who you really are, what your faith really is, despite what you may think. He will use suffering to create dependence on him because self-sufficiency never produces spiritual fruit. And he'll use suffering to prepare you for ministry assignments. Friends, the Lord will never leave you without a way to endure suffering or without a way to even overcome suffering. But here's the key. You need to press in to him. That's what it's all about. It's not just getting through it. I'm glad I got through it. What did you learn through it? What did the Lord show you? What did you discover about him that you never knew before? Those are the purposes for struggle and for suffering. It's not just to buy time. It's to learn and grow and be refined. In fact, that's the real ge genius of God's ways, is that he always brings us back to what he's really after. And what the Lord is really after, it's dialogue. That's what he's after. 
He wants to talk with you. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to inquire of him. He wants to walk with you through every day, whatever you're going through, whatever dryness, whatever depression, whatever struggle, whatever suffering. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. But you have to come to me, turn to me. Stop walking on your own. Stop trying to handle it yourself. Whatever happens, you've got to understand my heart. All things work together for the good to those who love God. Those who are the called according to his purposes. Those who want relationship with me. I'll use that to deepen your relationship with me, to show you things about me, show you things about yourself, and beautifully to work things in you that become life-releasing to people around you. So that just like Jesus, people can look at you and say, that's what God's like. That's what God's heart is like. That's what real religion is like. I want that. I want that. It's real. It's deep. It's profound. It has impact and power. Would you bow your heads with me? The musicians are going to play this beautiful song in closes. I want to encourage you to let it minister to you. And as they play, I'm going to invite the ministry team to come. In just a moment, when I have a stand, I'll invite the ministry team to come. And if you're here this morning, and you'd like to just join with somebody, have them pray with you and say, hey, you know what, I'm just in one of those seasons. Would you just agree with me? Would you just pray with me that just I can honor God, walk with the Lord, the things the pastor was talking about this morning, that would be my reality this morning. You may have some other need. You're welcome to come as well. Or if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you this morning. He really does have a purpose for your life, and it begins with a relationship with him. And I invite you to step out and say, I want to know. I felt his presence this morning, but I want to know Jesus this morning. I really want to begin to live a life that has purpose and that has meaning. And your creator is the one who can show you that. So I invite you this morning in just a moment to come when we stand. But would you just listen to these words? And if you're at a place this morning that you need to invite the Lord afresh, say, Lord, I've been going through stuff, but if I'm honest, I've been kind of turning away from you or doing it on my own or just thinking I have to go through it. Lord, forgive me. I invite you into my struggle. Draw me close to you. Help me to turn to you. Just listen to these words and allow the Holy Spirit just to minister this morning before we leave.